and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and once again, we are in the midst of our Five Points of Calvinism series, and I hope you've been enjoying this. For some of you, it seems like it's been forever, but we've only got four episodes left, and these four episodes, well, the gloves come off. We start actually debating this, and so today, we're going to be airing a a panel discussion, part one of a panel discussion I hosted in my classroom, my systematic theology classroom. And uh, the panelists, some of whom you'll be familiar with, are, well, myself, uh, Ray Jewell, the one, the only, our co-host, Ray Jewell, Arminian, our uh, Lutheran friend, Gary Zimmerman. Gary's a teacher at Rockford Lutheran. He's been on the podcast before, and I always like talking with him. And then joining us is Pastor Scott Whiting, who's never been on the podcast before. I don't know why. He's a great guy, intelligent guy, loves the Lord. Uh, pastor of Compass Church in Janesville, Wisconsin, which is in the Methodist denomination. And we're going to have a great discussion on these topics about predestination and election and all of that. And then that's just part one. Part two will be next week with an additional guest who, well... He was kind of late to the ball game here, so that's why he's only in part two and not part one. But anyway, uh, this discussion this week is pretty good, so we're going to jump right in here to uh, part one of our panel discussion on Calvinism. Okay, welcome students. Not that you had a choice to be here, but did you have a choice? And who made that choice? Is it you? Or was this choice made... Before the foundation of the world. Yes, it is time for our biannual, is it biannual? What is it every two years? Yeah, biannual uh, predestination panel discussion. I look forward to this, and I know some of you guys are as well. Um, Unfortunately, we're not able to do this live in the classroom like we normally do, but through the power of technology and uh, uh, Zoom, we, we are going to attempt to do this. As you can see, we have several people here uh, joining us. So I want to introduce these people, this guy over here. Uh, and in fact, some, a lot of these guys are going to be uh, familiar to you. Uh, you know Mr. Ray Jewell. Uh, Mr. Jewell used to sub here for a while, used to work here at the elementary campus for a year or so. Um, you've recognized him from his various since he's also not just a teacher, but he has served as a pastor and a professor at uh, Judson University as well, teaching worldviews. And so uh, those of you who don't know him through those avenues might know him as Santa, as my kids do. So, in fact, I know actually Mr. Ho, Ho, Ho. Ho, 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 yes. In fact, <laughs> yesterday we were at the gas station and some guy with a really long white beard came out and Leroy said, Ho, 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 Ho. But uh, Devante was very quick to point out that that guy was skinny. <laughs> so anyway, um, and then uh, joining us, well, it, he's down here. I don't know how this is going to show up on the recording, but uh, below me is Pastor Scott Whiting of the Compass Church in Janesville. And uh, you might know him as the father of Andrew and Seth and Tessa and Katie, and uh, what's, what's, um, let me think. We had Quinn here for a little while, and um, I know I'm forgetting someone. Claire. 
Blair, yes, Claire uh, was here for a little while as well. So you guys know the Whitings. And then up above me, it's weird to have him above me, but he's always looked down on me his entire life. Uh, Mr. Gary Zimmerman. Uh, Mr. Zimmerman uh, taught, taught computers here for a year a while back. Now, you know, he left the will of God, went down to Rockford. Now he's teaching math at Rockford Lutheran. So uh, welcome, everyone. Thank you. Glad to be here. And I do want to just, uh, you know, trigger warning for some of you. Um, Pastor Whiting is drinking a V8 right now. Um, as a Coke drinker, that I find that very offensive. Um, it's a little too healthy for my taste, but that's why I'm going to die by the age of 45. Um, oh, don't say that. Oh, is that, is that <laughs> predetermined? Is that it, it could be. I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so we are talking about predestination. So uh, each of these people have a, a different perspective. Uh, unlike other years, I'm going to jump in. We had some people cancel here at the last minute. Uh, unless they join us all of a sudden, um, I'm going to be giving my perspective on this. Whoa. I, you know, I never, ever, ever give my opinions in class, right? Um, I'm expecting laughter right now. I'm imagining you laughing. Okay. Uh, but I, I'm going to be giving a, a, a Calvinistic perspective. I'm going to take on these, these three other guys by myself, one hand tied behind my back just to make it even. Uh, no, uh, as you can see, humility is not my spiritual gift. But anyway, um, one of the major purposes I've told you why we're doing this is so that, one, you can see that uh, there are different perspectives on this issue. It's not just one, um, but within the body of Christ, we have a multitude of different opinions and thoughts on this. And number two, I want to show you that we can discuss controversial issues from a perspective of, of brotherhood or respect for each other. Um, I asked these guys to be part of this because I know each of these people. I respect each of these people, eh, some more than others. But um, I, I know these guys are, they're all Christian. They all love the Lord. And I believe them to be biblical, and I believe them to be passionately in love with Jesus. And so we're going to discuss this, even though each of us have a different view on this. Uh, we can still get along, and we still call each other brothers and uh, uh, I won't say brothers and sisters, but we're not going to be calling each other sisters here in the Zoom call. Um, but I believe we're all going to be in heaven together, and we are going to be rejoicing around the throne uh, with each other. And uh, you guys are all going to see how right I was at that point. But anyway, uh, I'm really going to get myself in trouble here. That's just that's because Mr. Jewel is here, and I usually get in trouble with him. Yeah. So he's he's the bad influence in my life. All right. So um, with with those introductions out of the way, I've I've got a list of questions. So some of these questions are based on some of the questions that you guys asked in that little Google form. So uh, now we got our, our introductions out of the way. I, I want to read here from Ephesians chapter one. And verse 3, we've read this in class, we'll read it again. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of tr our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So I'm going to stop there. We are talking about predestination and election. I think we see both those concepts in scripture. And we said that we have to, as Christians, Bible-believing Christians, we all believe that election and predestination exist in some sort of way because they are Bible words. They are Bible concepts. But we do disagree on how to define them. So I'd like to ask you guys first, how would you define those terms? What does that mean to you when we say predestination and election? I'm going to start off with uh, Pastor Whiting. Right, get myself unmuted here. Um, well, uh, let let me preface any answers that I that I give here with the uh, awareness that uh, I graduated from seminary with an MDiv back in 1990. That's the last time I really delved deep in all of these issues. So I gotta I gotta be honest with you guys coming into this. I'm I'm pretty rusty, um, but. Um, but as far as the uh, definition uh, on predestination, um, you know, for me, I guess predestination, and I'll, I'll be honest too, I, I've kind of been on a journey on this. Uh, I started out pretty, you know, like Arminian in my theology, um, and and then I kind of moved more reformed uh, back in uh, like the early 2000s. Uh, I'd say I, I kind of became maybe a at least a three and a half, maybe four point Calvinist there for a while, but um, but I, uh, I I've kind of moved back uh, into the uh, into the Arminian camp. So I mean, for me right now, I guess predestination um, is not the same thing as as predetermination um, of who will believe, uh, but rather predestination. You know, for, from my mind is is a predetermination of of a believer's future um but the uh the choice to believe is still left completely with uh with the uh, individual so predetermination of the future of the believer not necessarily predetermination of uh their will uh, or choice to believe all right mr zimmerman i uh um, I think in, in general, predestination can refer to things other than just salvation. Um, there, there's a pastor's video that uh, I watched prior to this, but I completely forgot what his point was. So I'll send you a link to that that you can share with your students if you want. Um, but predestination is more in general, whereas election pertains to the individuals who are elected to salvation. So predestination is not exclusively about salvation, but election is. All right, and Mr. Jewell. Well, the way that I understand it, and as I look at the passage that you quoted in Ephesians 1, it sounds more to me like a collective thing going on here instead of an individualistic thing. I mean, certainly the church is made up of individuals, but the, the, the plan of salvation is what was predetermined from before the creation of the world. 
you know, God set this plan in motion with with Jesus. Uh, the fact that you know God knew when He created mankind that uh, they had the ability to sin and to be disobedient and basically to usurp His throne, and so He had it already prearranged how that would be taken care of. I agree with uh, Scott when he, when he says that, um, you know, that doesn't take away the freedom uh, and the responsibility to make a choice. You know, we all, we all have to choose whether to accept what Christ did for us on the cross or not. And, uh, you know, but again, it's the, the election idea is, uh, you know, God, God elects people, uh, groups of people. He elected Israel to bring the Messiah into the world. He elects the church and uh, to to live for him, to do what he bid, what he wants them to do. And uh, you know, individuals are responsible for their choice. All right, and I'll I'll, I'll take a. A Calvinistic. Uh, <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> you know, you, you forced me to uh, to give my opinions, and you know, I don't ever do that. But um, you know, I actually agree more with with Gary. I think predestination is a uh, more of a general term, but election, I believe, refers to salvation. And I do believe I would disagree with Mister Joel here that we are talking about individuals. Um, for me, if, if you. For me, it's impossible to think of a group without thinking of a group consisting of individuals. Uh, I think of, of Romans 9, uh, which I'll refer to back again, um, but the election of, of uh, Jacob over Esau, where it was individual before they were ever born, Romans 9 said that God made a choice between the two. And I think he broadens that out um, in that chapter to all of them. So I, I, I believe that God not only simply knew ahead of time that who would be saved, but he determined ahead of time. Um, he, he, he made a people for himself um, that he would, that he would redeem. Okay. So um, I'm glad nobody's spitting, hollering, swearing at this point. So that's great. Um, you don't see the smoke coming out by yourself. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we don't allow smoking in this building. <laughs> but let's move on to uh, our second question here. And this is a question that uh, I probably get the most. Anytime we cover this chapter, and it's already, uh, you, it was the most asked question in our Google form. And some of you have already asked me about this privately. But let's talk about free will. Does free will exist? Because we, again, we all agree that God is sovereign that God is in charge, that God has made a plan, that God has um, created the universe, and everything is under his ultimate control. Well, if God is sovereign, how can man have a free will? Uh, I think we, we do, we all agree that we make decisions that are at least not to our perception forced upon us. Um, you know, I, I made a decision to have this panel discussion. I made a decision not to drink V8 like Pastor Whiting, uh, although I may have to change that decision uh, because, according to my doctor yesterday, what I drink now is battery acid. Um, and you guys all know well, that. Cleans batteries anyway. Yeah. So um, how, how do we 
reconcile those two ideas in our minds. How can God be sovereign and yet man have free will? So, Mr. Zimmerman, I'm throwing that right at you. I caught it. Hey, um, <clears throat> so God is sovereign. Um, he created man. Um, I, I think before I get any further into the answer, I'd like to talk about the, the use of reason in, in accordance with uh, God's word that, that man's reason is supposed to serve a ministerial purpose. Um, that is, it's to uh, serve God's word, but uh, reason is not to be magisterial. We're not supposed to force a, a logical construct over the Bible and, and make uh, things fit into that. Um, I'm not uh, necessarily a big fan of free will. Um, Martin Luther wrote a book called the, the Bondage of the Will, and it was his second favorite thing that he ever written. Um, I do believe that we have free will for choices in this world. Uh, God, when he created mankind, gave us dominion over this world. So in regards to temporal things, we can make what, what choices we want. However, mankind uh, fell into sin and became slaves of sin. So... Uh, being slaves to sin, we are now dead in our sin. So as regards to uh, righteousness, we have no free will. Um, we are only uh, enslaved to do the wrong things. And that's why it's so important that God is the, the one that's active in redemption and bestowing of righteousness. And that's why uh, we look to Christ for, for those things. So Mr. Jewell. Well, um, you know, this discussion goes a lot farther back than uh, the Reformation. It was all the way back to Augustine and um, Pelagius. Pelagius, yeah. Pelagius said man's good. And Pelagius was looking at Genesis uh, 1, you know, after the creation. God said that's very good. Um, and Augustine countered that with, well, man is completely dead and uh, all that. Well, there's another guy, a contemporary of theirs by the name of John Cashin, who I think had a little bit more biblical approach to the idea. He said that man is sick um, because of the sin. You know, we're still created in the image of God. You know, all men, kind, all, anyone who's ever lived, even the worst person you, know, you can think of, Adolf Hitler or whatever, created in the image of God. And if we don't have the freedom to choose to accept what Christ did for us on the cross, then we become uh, robots or you know, God, God's just playing with us. And I, so I think, you know, to me, one of the most sovereign things that God does is to give human beings freedom to choose, the, freedom, the free will to choose whether to accept or reject uh, his gift of grace uh, through Jesus. Pastor Whitey. Well, uh, I, um, I like what uh, Gary said. Uh, you know, um, I'm not a fan of free will either. Um, but uh, I'm more not a fan of free will because of all of the um, devastation that it, it's brought to 
mankind, uh, planet Earth. Um, and but th that's the main reason why I'm not a fan of free will. As far as uh, you know, our ability to choose, though, uh, I am a fan. Like I said, uh, you know, I've kind of swung back to to more of the free will camp. Um, but I, I think that free will, you know, has always had limits. Um, free will doesn't mean, you know, like almighty power. Um, you know, I might want to be able to fly. You know, I might want to sprout wings and, and be able to do that. But just because I wish that or will that, I can't make that happen. And um, and so my my will has limitations just by the nature of you know, the fact that, you know, I was created finite, we're all created with those kind of limits. And, and I agree too with Gary that uh, sin uh, has further limited us. Uh, we are bound uh, to sin. We cannot help that. But when I look back, you know, at creation and I see that God planted that tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, um, and just told Adam and Eve not to take of that fruit, and yet they did. Um, I, I see, and I, I think the, the point, uh, one, at least one of the main points of that text, is to inform us that we had free will in the creation, um, that, that that is part of uh, as Ray says, that um, image of God that was, you know, just burned into us uh, by design. And I don't believe that the fall into sin, their their choice um, of taking of the fruit, um, affected their their ultimate free will in still being able to choose God or not. Um, we are bound by sin and it's this malevolent force inside of us now that ultimately we can't help, uh, you know, uh, having sinned. Nevertheless, um, I still think that, um, that the, uh, uh, you know, well, to use the, the garden imagery, you know, that the tree of life was taken out, all right? So there's no way uh, for us to be able to um, have life uh, without God, you know, stepping in and, and providing that. Um, thank God for the cross. Uh, you know, a tree came many millennia later, and that's what we're celebrating uh, this weekend, or at least last night, uh, Good Friday. Um, but uh, but I think that 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 you know the knowledge of good and evil. There's you know there's not this uh, idea that that was taken away. It still seems as though that. There is choice um, that that's given, and um, I think that's implicit in a lot of the, uh, well, in, in the preaching of, of the disciples um, in the Gospels and, and in Acts. Um, you know, there's this whole idea of you know the the gospel and eternal life is for whosoever will. You know, to use that King James phrase. Um, so I think it's got to be there. Uh, I don't think that free will um, was ultimately removed. I think that sin definitely created more limitations, but it didn't completely remove free will. I think we can still choose. All right. So my perspective, um, I would I would say that we have a, a free will and that you're not being forced against your will um, to do anything. 
But I do believe that total depravity or, or the T in Tulip, as I'm a Calvinist, I guess I'm bound by. Uh, I say that tongue in cheek. Uh, but I, I believe that man is totally depraved. I mean, at the fall, uh, we died. In fact, uh, God said, when you eat of that fruit, that day you will surely die. And I believe that was a, that was a spiritual death. Ephesians uh, chapter 2 says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. So I would say that spiritually we are dead. That's why we need to be born again. So what can a dead man do? Well, nothing. So we are not physically dead, but we are spiritually dead. So I would say spiritually, we are incapable of doing anything that is truly spiritual. So when given the choice um, between something that is good or something that is evil, something that is sinful or something that is good, man is going to choose what is sinful. And he'll make that choice of his own free will. As you know, you guys heard me say, if you, uh, if you were to offer me, I'm going to change this. I don't know why, Pastor Scott, I'm just picking on you today, but... Uh, if you were to offer me a V8 or a Coke, um, I'm going to choose the Coke at this point. Um, sorry, next week it'll be different. We'll see. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to choose according to my nature. And I believe as a sin, as someone who possesses a sin nature, I'm going to choose in accordance with that nature. So I'm going to choose sin. Which is why I believe that we God needs to change our heart first through regeneration in order for us to to accept the gospel to embrace Christ. So uh, I do believe that God is sovereign over all everything, including salvation, and that um, whom He chooses, He will work in their hearts, change that 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 mind, and even change that nature to where I can see the truth and then embrace the truth. Um, so that's, that's how I would play that out in my mind. So, uh, moving on to our next question, I'm, I'm trying to keep things going along, um, cause I can talk all day about this stuff as, as you guys know, um, we're talking about predestination, election, all that stuff. And so we can't help but talk about Calvinism and when we talk about Calvinism, probably the most controversial aspect of that belief is the idea of a limited atonement. Jesus only died for a certain set of people. So he didn't die for everyone. So I can't tell people if I'm witnessing to them that Jesus died for you because I, I would know that um, from a Calvinistic perspective. So I want to ask that question. Um, and, and Mr. Jewel, I'll start off with you. Uh, for whom did Christ die? Anyone and everyone. <laughs> uh, Hebrews 10. It's talking about the sacrificial system and how you know that was having to be done had to be done every day actually every every year for the sense of the nation and stuff. Oh, by the way, I, I, I do want to throw in here um, that you've seen Mr. Joel on his cell phone here. He's not just scrolling on Facebook; he actually is looking at his Bible. Yes. <laughs> on, on uh, anyway, uh, Hebrews ten verse ten. By that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all, I think that you know, uh, means once for all time and means once for all people. Uh, those, you know, and I mean, uh, so it plays into another question that you got here, though, but it, I think is connected. Why evangelize? Well, to me, that's why I evangelize is because 
everybody has that decision to make before they pass from this life, whether to accept Jesus or not. So the question becomes, what are you going to do with Jesus? Okay, so um, I'll, I'll give my perspective here. So I'm looking at my phone because um, I'm actually texting with someone who's supposed to be on this call right now. But anyway, um, so I'll, I'll give my perspective here because I, I don't, I, I'll be honest, I go back and forth on this one. Um, I, I, I usually identify as a Calvinist, but maybe um, it's better. I, I would call myself a 4.5. Oh, I was going to say 4.5. But... Um, <laughs> because I really do struggle with this issue here. Because to me, it makes sense within the other five points. Um, and we really haven't even discussed that in class yet with those five points of Calvinism are. And I don't know if we're going to. We kind of summarize them a little bit. Um, but it makes sense within that system. It doesn't offend me, but I do struggle with scripture um, in that I never want to put myself in the position where I have to explain away a passage. And I appreciate what Mr. Zimmerman said mm -hmm. a few minutes ago about uh, the the place of reason and logic, uh, but even those have to take a backseat to the Word of God. Now, I don't think those are, are, are necessarily uh, mutually exclusive, but I have to be faithful to the text of Scripture above any denomination, any uh, system of man. And so I look at a verse like Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, and it says, um, I'm going to kind of skip toward the end here, uh, namely, Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that the so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone or every person in some translations. Um, that seems pretty clear to me. So um, I, I kind of struggle with that. And then you have, um, I believe it's in Second Peter uh, chapter two, and, and Mr. Jewel and I are going through that book um, in, in a. In a in a Bible study that we're a part of. And it, it talks about the idea of these false teachers that uh, are being content. And that, that's, a, that's what the whole book is about, these false teachers. And um, refers to these false teachers as even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves with destruction. So it seems like Peter is saying that there are uh, false teachers who Jesus has died for, even though they're clearly going to hell. I'm going to pause here for a second. I'm going to let uh, another guest in for a second. But I'm going to still keep talking. Um, so in, in that sense, um, we are, um, yeah. So in, in that sense, it, it seems like uh, Peter is saying there are people who Jesus died for, but are not going to heaven. So, uh, I, so I'm going to welcome into our conversation the late, not dead, but the late Pastor Aaron White. Uh, Aaron, welcome to our, our discussion halfway through. Oh, how did I know that you would be exceedingly gracious given the fact that I showed up late to this meeting? So you didn't fail me, Kevin. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. All right. Well, I'm going to throw you right to the deep end of the pool here, Pastor White, who is... By the way, one of the pastors at the Redeemer Bible Church up in Minnesota uh, after he left the will of God and left Janesville. Um, so, Pastor White, we're talking about limited atonement. So the question is, uh, for whom did Christ die? 
Okay. I, I agree with limited atonement. What's the next question? Well, maybe you should answer why. Oh, <laughs> well, I know that this is, uh, this particular point of Calvinism has been a perennial kind of bugaboo for a lot of people. And I think if I had to point to one passage, because really all the philosophizing and, and whatever doesn't really matter, it matters. What does the word of God say? And so for me, there's many, um, but one of the clearest exegetical foundations for limited atonement is found in Romans chapter eight, uh, Romans eight thirty. Yeah, I, Romans eight thirty says, "Those whom he predestined, he also called; those we called, he justified; those we justified, he glorified." You know, theologians call that the golden chain of redemption. And then you go down to Romans eight thirty two, says, um, "He who did not spare his own son." So right there, he who did not spare his own son, you're talking about the entire economy of salvation. Like what did Christ do dying on the cross? It says that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So you're talking about the cross, what Christ did, the whole economy of salvation. He gave him up for us all. And what is the antecedent? What came before the us all? Who is the us all? Well, it's Romans 8.30, the predestined and called and justified. So there's a exegetical and logical inference that Paul is very clear that the father gave the son to pay the penalty for those who are predestined and called for a set group of people, making him an effective savior because the atonement's limited either way. It's either limited to the elect that God foreordained or it's limited to those who choose to receive salvation. So it's not like it's limited versus unlimited atonement it's limited it just depends on is it limited by man's you know uh, capricious free will or is it limited by god's sovereignty and, and i think biblically it's limited by god's sovereignty and that's his prerogative i'm going to throw in here um pastor white uh, pastor whiting i'm going to have to keep this straight between white and whiting now um okay. and by the way I, now that pastor white is here i'm jumping out of the conversation i'm going to go back to my role as mo uh, moderator um so anyway pastor whiting I'll, I'll throw that question to you well i'm kind of with ray on this one um i i just look at you know some pretty you know straightforward verses uh kevin you mentioned um hebrews 2 9 that jesus tasted death for everyone you know we've got everybody's favorite john three sixteen. you know for god so loved the world i mean the implication is that you know, he gave his only begotten son for everyone uh, in the world. Um, and you got verses like 1 John 2, 2, uh, that uh, Jesus died for the whole world. Um, so, I mean, there's so many verses like that. Um, it's it's hard for me to think, um, you know, that, that there's a narrower um, way to look at it, that, that Jesus died only for a certain segment when you've got all these verses that say it was for everybody um i you know i i get you know the calvinist um perspective on on romans 8 um and and it it does make a lot of sense that that chain uh, but if i'm not mistaken i i did look at this uh earlier um before that chain even gets started with predestination, it does mention that the real start of that chain is God's foreknowledge. So those who God foreknew, 
uh, he predestined and then the chain goes on. So, you know, that's got to be dealt with. And of course, you know, the Arminian perspective is that, um, that the, uh, that the foreknowledge of God knowing ahead of time who would choose to respond to his offer of grace and salvation, um, that is what then brings about the predestination and so forth. That, that leaves man's free will intact um, and yet maintains all the rest of it um, as, you know, as well, predestination, calling, election, so forth. So, so that's, you know, I look at the, the scriptures, you know, pretty simplistically, um, John 3.16 and Hebrews 2.9 and all the others. It, I mean, just a, you know, a pretty sim simplistic reading of it tells me Jesus died for everyone. And then with regard to, you know, the, the Romans 8 passage or, you know, uh, Colossians, uh, Ephesians 1, um, you know, I, the, the foreknowledge of God is in there uh, as well. And I think that offers a pretty good explanation as to how um, we can have that chain of events, predestination, election, uh, calling, glorification, all of it, um, and, and not lose the free will of man because all of that's based on God's foreknowledge. Romans all right, Mr. Zimmerman, solve this issue for us once and for all. <laughs> Drop the mic and, and uh, give us your thoughts. Well, um, one of my friends said his past, his Lutheran pastor summarized it this way. Uh, if you find yourself in heaven, thank God. And if you find yourself in hell, blame yourself. Um, and what that means is, as far as our salvation goes, uh, God is responsible for that. Um, let's see. <clears throat> um, now, there are those who resist the spirit. Um, Acts 7.51 says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Um, so the, the question is, why do those people not end up in, in heaven? Uh, did Jesus not die for them? Um, you know, predestination and, and election isn't really a topic that Lutherans think about very much. Um, but, but when they do, um, it's, it's when it comes to uh, cases of doubt or certainty. So the question of who did Jesus die for, the answer is for you. Um, so, and that, that applies to everybody who hears that word. Jesus died for you. Um, looking at some Bible verses, First uh, John 2, 1 through 2 says, um, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. First um, Timothy says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. And, you know, when God desires all people to be saved... I, I believe that. I, I don't think that statement needs explanation. Um, I think what gets in the way of that is our free will and, and that we do resist and that we do sin um, because uh, every time we sin is, is going against God's will. Um, let's see. Uh, so my answer would be that God died for everybody. 
But the important answer is that God died for you. So God died for everybody, but not everybody uh, benefits from it. Um, an example I, I, uh, I use is the Israelites in Egypt. Um, they could have said, hey, Moses, you know, yeah, I know you're saying God is setting us free, but that's cool. We're just going to stay here. So they wouldn't have benefited from that. Um, I've heard other pastors use the example of a checking account where, uh, you know, all the money we need is deposited. But if you don't know about that checking account, you're not going to use it. And if you know about the checking account, but you don't trust in it, then you're not going to use it either. Um, but ultimately, the doctrine of election is for comfort because it completely relies on, on Jesus Christ. And, and what it's really about is uh, when you're in doubt and you have that question, who did Jesus die for? Uh, the answer is for you. And that's where we're going to stop for this week. Again, this is only part one, so join in next week for part two. In fact, part two features another panelist who, as I mentioned before, was late to the game, uh, but did show up. And I'm going to give Aaron White, our old friend Aaron White. You've heard him many times on the podcast before. Aaron White came in. Now, Aaron is up in Minnesota now. And so when we started the series, he was actually, well, when we started recording the series, he was still in Janesville, Wisconsin. But now he's up in, uh, up in, um, excuse me, Minnesota. So um, you, Aaron always makes things interesting. So you'll want to come and listen to that next week. So next time. So until then, we, we do end each podcast with a book recommendation. I'm going to throw out the book that we've been trying to get you to buy this entire series. And that's the Five Points of Calvinism by or five points excuse me by john piper five points by john piper it's a short read and i and i believe you'll enjoy it especially if you're a calvinist if you're not then you definitely need to read it it's saturated with scripture i i love this little book and i think you will too so um with that make sure you check out our blog at www.basicbiblepodcast.org and hopefully Maybe even this week, I'm going to write something for it. You never know. I'm, I'm going to try to keep this updated over the summer. And, and Ray, if you're listening, maybe you can you can keep me accountable in that area. So we still need to, to finish off Ray's series on Revelation in, on the blog. And I, I want to write something as well. And uh, I've got a lot of good ideas for this blog if um, I get around to doing it. Yeah, by the way, if you're interested in writing for the blog, let me know. Uh, I can always use content, and you can email us at basicbiblepodcast at gmail.com. That's basicbiblepodcast at gmail.com. Look for us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Um, we're on Instagram and Twitter at basicbiblecast. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.